Hello, and welcome back to this podcast series, where we're trying to complete our mini-series of podcasts asking what's the point of various bits of pharmacy. We're trying to do this in short, under-eight-minute podcasts so people don't get bored and wander off, which makes it slightly ironic that the mini-series was paused because we ourselves got bored and wandered off. But this was a big mistake. Huge. Because it turns out that there's tons of interesting things that we've still not covered. And this time, we're finally going to talk about pharmacy procurement, which will surprise you with its interestingness. So strap in to get some knowledge over the next eight minutes or so. So, where do we begin? Well, it might be worthwhile with this one to focus first on the world that pharmacy procurement work in, and by doing this, show what an important role they have in making sure that the medicines are there when you want them. Because, as with everything, it's a lot more complicated than it first seems. And we'll also maybe cover how lean, just-in-time methodology may be good for making Japanese cars, but sucks when applied to medicines. So first off, where do medicines come from? Well, a manufacturer makes them, obviously. But if it was this simple, it would be an even shorter podcast. So let's look a bit closer. Now, it shouldn't come as a surprise, given that medicines all have batch numbers, but medicines are made in batches. This means that a manufacturer, to reduce waste and be lean, wants to make exactly the right amount of product in advance of selling it. Make too much and it eats into profits. Make too little and there's a shortage until they can get the next batch out the door. If it's a branded product, so only they can sell it, they'll have a good idea of how much to make. But for generics, where lots of different manufacturers can make it, they need to know what their market share might be so they don't over or undercook it. Because of this, the NHS, on behalf of secondary care, undergoes a tendering process where manufacturers tender for particular products for different regions of the country. They put their best bid forward and then are awarded or not awarded contracts for particular volumes of particular medicines for particular regions. In that way, they know what they need to make so it can be all lean and stuff. So that's what's in the tendering process for the manufacturers. But what's in it for the NHS? Well, by having a tendering process, the NHS can award based on the things that they're looking for, like cost, but also the quality of the product, safety of product design, robustness of the supply chain, etc. Oh, who are we kidding? It's mainly cost. That way, the NHS leverages its purchasing power by negotiating as a block, rather than as individual trusts, so can buy things cheaper. So why do we have contracts broken down into different regions? Why don't we have just one contract, the cheapest one, awarded across the whole country? Well, it's because the stability of the supply chain is really important. If one manufacturer won for the whole of the country, the others would go out of business, which would then mean that next year they'd be the only ones in position to tender, so they'd have a monopoly and prices would go up. Plus, it's a bit eggs all in one basket too. So if they fell over, the whole country would be stuffed with no product available as if the other manufacturers don't have a contract, they aren't going to bother to make any for just in case. And even without putting all the eggs in one basket, or in one contract, it's still all very tight because of those lean principles. So if one manufacturer, say with a contract for the northeast, falls over and hasn't made enough, or has a batch failure, or say there's a global pandemic and everyone is trying to buy more product than they ever have before, it can have a domino effect with other manufacturers trying to pick up the slack and then running out of stock themselves until the next batches can be made, leaving the whole country dry. And lean bites on the other side of the purchasing relationship too. Medicines are a huge part of the NHS budget and trusts will want to minimise their stock holding as much as possible to reduce the amount of dead capital sat in the cupboard. 
They usually do this by trying to hold an average of two weeks stock as an absolute maximum, which for an averagely large hospital is still likely to be into the millions of pounds. Did we mention medicines are expensive? You've then got to hope that your average two weeks is actually average, and that you don't have a run on a product and run out before your next delivery. Some products we might be able to get quickly from wholesalers same day if we're short, but other things have a lead time measured in weeks, not hours. And these distortions happen more often than you think, because though a week in the NHS is pretty standard for paracetamol use, for lots of products use is very bouncy. Use wobbles all over the place and needs to be kept on top of. And that's before the whims of prescribers and guideline writers come in. Should a new guideline come in recommending astrionam instead of tazacin, for example, and suddenly your pharmacy will be short of astrionam, and if it's a big enough switch, one hospital switching product can be enough to distort the market and ruin it for everyone, and also they'll be swimming in tazacin that they just can't shift, wasting taxpayers' money. So this is where pharmacy procurement sits and has its role trying to balance all of these competing interests. It needs to get best value for the NHS by negotiating good contracts, but also have an eye to quality and other issues. They need to make sure they're getting the best product, but also make sure that they're keeping all the manufacturers and wholesalers viable so that there's a robust competitive marketplace for the future. They need to make sure that they have enough stock for their trust to use, but not hold so much stock that their trust then complains that they're tying up too much money. Then, when lean ideology overreaches and something falls over because there's now no margins to buffer problems, they need to somehow make sure they're getting stock from somewhere else, but without causing supplies to fall over for other trusts. And this is all on the back of the standard buying medicines workload of paying invoices, placing orders and all that normal retail stuff you might think of. And then, because they're dead good at this stuff, they also get the task of managing other things like making sure free of charge schemes are fair and equitable arranging the import of weird and wonderfuls from other countries, optimising trust tax regimes and VAT exposure with respect to medicines, monitoring use against contracts and linking up with people like pharmacy QA, drug and therapeutics groups and others to make sure that what we're buying is the actual right stuff. It's definitely more than just buying what's ordered. It's a complex juggling of multiple factors where making a mistake can cost the NHS loads of cash or result in a patient not getting the treatment that they need. So with that said, and whilst your sympathy is running high, how can everyone help their put-upon procurement team? Well, there's the standard thing of talking to them early. There's far too much in the remit of procurement to cover everything in this brief podcast, but if a change you're wanting to make will involve buying some drugs, get in touch with pharmacy procurement, and they'll help work through whatever needs to be worked through. There's also a little plea to believe them when they say there's a problem with the medicine, and to help them out. With only two weeks of stock in the cupboard, It's not unusual to get less than a week's notice of a stock outage, i.e. the first sign of a problem can often be when you try and order something and it simply isn't delivered. Every day spent stamping your foot saying, but I want it, isn't going to increase your chances of actually getting it, because they aren't saying that there's no stock just for a laugh, and it only runs down the clock on the time available to source an alternative. So with that plaintive plea, I think we'll draw this to a close. Hopefully we've covered that pharmacy procurement is all about buying medicines, but that there's a lot more to it than meets the eye, and without them we'd have less stock, as we'd have run out months ago, and less money, as we'd have bankrupted ourselves in the process. If you get a chance to have a chat with someone from pharmacy procurement, jump at the opportunity, but don't talk to them about how great the Toyota method is, as they may cry. Thanks, and see you next time.